Chapter 7 Charlie was sitting in his janitor's closet, his ass planted on an upturned mop bucket, sharpening his knife while his stereo popped and grumbled at a low volume from a darkened corner. Even though this was the only inhabited spot in the basement of the motel, Charlie's boss, Mr. Baker, kept a strict rule about the stereo's volume. Baker also banned Charlie from listening to the rap station he preferred. That's why Charlie didn't mind the inaudible level. He hated rock music. But he loved his knife. And he loved sharpening it, too. The weight of it in his hands, the cold, firm handle, smooth as polished bone, the glimmer in the chrome, the white eye of each rivet, the shine of the bolster, the thin strength of the blade's spine, and the pregnant curve of the blade itself, so soft and sexual, each of its angles merging in union along the stone, ringing out with a high sing as his hands moved it in long sweeps back and forth. Aside from the radio, this sound of the sharpening stone was all that echoed through the vast empty basement of the Metro Motel. Charlie had been working there for a few months. He hated it. But rent was cheap, a hard thing to come by for an ex-con in these parts. This was farmland filled with churchgoers. These people had very little respect for degenerates like Charlie. He'd gotten the janitor job by lying about his past, a past marred with violent criminal activity and piling debts. Though the bars of his cage had slid back and the gates of his hell had reopened, when he'd stepped back out into the free world, he no longer felt free. The government had taken 11 years of his life. Now he was a grown man with no family, no friends, and no car. But the knife listened to him as he sat and held it. It explained things to him without speaking, just by glowing from his lap or dragging itself along his skin, teasing at the idea of opening him up to see what would come out. Today had been a hard shift. Metro Motel couldn't keep sufficient staff. The bigger hotels a few miles up the highway paid better, taking all the best service maids in the area. This meant Charlie had to make the beds, clean the bathrooms, vacuum the floors, and do all the laundry. He'd originally been hired to just maintain the hallways and parking lot, but Mr. Baker put more and more work on him each day. Charlie took a deep breath and brushed a strange tear out of his eye and again drug the blade along the stone, sighing and trying not to cry. He was very lonely. Life had always been lonely, but now he was getting old. Sometimes he thought about his mom. Sometimes he thought about his old dog that long ago run away. Sometimes he thought about a girl. He'd made 18 beds, scrubbed 18 toilets, and sprayed 18 sinks and vacuumed 18 floors, all of them covered in other men's filth. 
This was a hotel for men with secrets. Women came here too, but none of them stayed. They only arrived well after check-in and left hours before daylight. The shower drains were only clogged with silver hair, and the toilets swam with cigarette butts. No love was made in these rooms. It was only destroyed. Charlie had grown accustomed to the salty smell of dried semen and smoke. It clung to his mustache and stuck to his lips as he pulled off each of the bed sheets and wadded them in his arms. The smell reminded him of his first job at a laundry room in prison. Eleven years later, he still hadn't escaped that smell. But he was working toward a goal. He was saving his money for something big. A plane, a boat, maybe a rocket ship. Charlie hadn't decided which one. Luckily, Mr. Baker let him stay in the motel for only half his pay. But Charlie had to sleep in this closet with no bed or bathroom. It was awful, but it was cheap. He'd saved every other dime he'd earned, but his dreams were still far away. They were too big to reach right now. Charlie's mind had been hurt a long time ago by a blow to the head. Someone he'd upset had hit him with a pipe during an argument. Part of his brain had stopped working or had come unhooked. Charlie couldn't remember. He also couldn't remember who'd hit him. Sometimes in memories it was his mom, other times it was a large, faceless man, and sometimes it was just a pipe flying through the darkness like a whale through black water, diving right into his face and showering him in blood. For these reasons, Charlie's dreams and thoughts were scattered like the rats he lived among. They lingered in the shadows and haunted his sleep until no true reality could be found. His days were filled with work and his nights with confusing memories and unknown desires for violence. Sharpening the blade made him calm down. He liked the sound of it. There was a small digital clock on his stereo in the corner. Its glowing red numbers said the time was 9.05. Why it was so dark this early made no sense. Then Charlie remembered he had no windows. He laughed a strange, half-crying laugh, and again wiped a tear from his eye, steadying the blade and pulling it toward his gut, skimming it softly along the stone. Somewhere in the darkness beyond his closet, Glass hit the floor and shattered. Charlie flinched, cutting his thumb and yelping a grunt. He stuck the thumb in his mouth and sucked hard at the tiny sliver he'd made. He turned his big brown eyes to the open closet door. Charlie didn't like small spaces, so he always left his door hanging open to let air in. His jacket hung on the knob and his broom stood propped up by the wall but the doorway itself was pure black, opening out to a void of darkness. He could hear the distant rattle of the furnace some 50 feet away, but the shattering sound had been much closer 
near the stairs. Charlie leaned forward and squinted his eyes, peering out his tiny room at nothing to be seen. He set down the stone and knife and crawled off the bucket and onto the floor, moving slowly toward the doorway. Mr. Baker, he asked in a quivering voice, thinking his boss might be trying to scare him again. A sick game the cruel man often played. No one replied. The sound had been odd. Charlie didn't know what could have fallen to make that sound. A light bulb? A mirror? A bottle? None of those things had been sitting on the steps. But even if they had been, what would cause them to fall? Charlie thought about the sound, trying to remember it perfectly. It had been a sharp hop, followed by a loud crash. Then a sprinkling sound had echoed off the walls. Nothing had fallen. Something had been thrown. Charlie climbed to his feet, stepped out of the closet and into the cool, quiet space just beyond his door. He looked around. Is someone there? he asked. A match struck in the darkness right before his eyes, blinding him with firelight. Charlie screamed and flailed his arms, shielding his face with his elbows and dropping to his knees. A tiny flame danced on the tip of a matchstick and moved above his head, shining warm, round light onto a bony set of fingers and pockmarked chin, where a single cigarette hung phallic from lipless jaws. The end of the cigarette took in the flame, pulling at its tip and sucking it like an infant with a nipple. It was Mr. Baker. This was Baker's way of checking in on Charlie after the day's final chores. First, he'd wait till it got dark. Then he'd stand at the top of the basement steps, listening to Charlie sharpen his knife, a cold bottle of Budweiser cradled on his belt buckle. He'd drain the last of the beer and wait for that perfect moment of silence to toss the bottle down the stairs, where it'd shatter just outside the closet door. This bottle of beer was usually Mr. Baker's eighth of the day, sometimes his tenth, but it always broke right at the same spot. Even when drunk, he had good aim. The shattering sound put into motion this routine of Charlie calling out Baker's name and stepping out of his closet. Then Baker would silently tiptoe down the steps barefoot, pulling out a match and holding his breath in delight of his endless prank. Charlie always fell for it because of the dent in his skull. Baker knew this. It amused him. It also turned him on. So did the feeling of being barefoot in a basement. Baker stood over Charlie smoking his cigarette and digging his callous toes into the stone floor, mindful not to step on any of the broken glass. Not yet, anyway. That pleasure would come later, when the rest of their game unraveled itself and wound them together, tight as rope and firm as fence posts. Charlie wheezed for air, holding his face and rocking back and forth on the ground at Baker's feet. He'd begun to cry. Get up, boy, Baker muttered. 
ash falling from his cigarette. He knelt and grabbed Charlie by the arm, helping him to his feet and brushing him off with hard smacks and lewd strokes. You scared me again, Charlie said with a snort, wiping his nose with a sleeve. You just shut up, Baker said, clenching his teeth and chomping down on the cigarette, each word a cloud of smoke. Shut your damn mouth and get back in there and show me the blade. I want to see what you've done to it. Baker held Charlie by the collar and pulled him back into the closet with him. Baker was old and thin but strong and mean. Charlie was no match for his boss, giving in and going limp as the leathery old cowboy yanked at his shirt and pushed him to the back wall of the tiny room. Give it here, Baker ordered, holding out a palm. Charlie staggered upright between two mop heads hanging from hooks. He reached to the shelf and picked up the knife, placing it softly onto Baker's hand. Baker held him to the wall and drew up the blade, holding it between their faces. His eyes sparkled in the shine of steel as he turned it, inspecting Charlie's sharpening job for chips and scratches. There was not a single blemish. The blade was clean. The grain was pure. Baker scowled, his eyes dropping in disgust. He turned the blade on Charlie, pressing it softly just below his left eye. I ought to cut you with this, he whispered, bringing his lips to Charlie's mouth and almost kissing him. But I like you too much. You know that, right? This last question always came out shaky, as if Baker were holding himself back. It was Charlie's turn to answer, but every time it came to this, Charlie forgot his line and instead just bumbled in fear. Say it, boy, Baker whispered in his ear. Say you like me too. But Charlie couldn't concentrate enough to answer this time. Something far back in the darkness of the basement was distracting him. Among the blackness beyond the doorway, something was moving toward them, stalking slowly one step at a time. It was made entirely of shadows, and where its face should have been, only a strange set of eyes shone through the darkness, like a cat. They were purple, and they were looking right on Charlie, staring him down. Charlie held in a breath as the thing moved to the base of the steps and settled itself low to the floor. Damn it, boy, Baker muttered. His back was turned to the door. He hadn't noticed the dark creature's arrival at all. He was too busy working at his belt buckle while steadying the knife at Charlie's throat. He pulled down his zipper and removed himself with a grunt. Say it, boy, he whined his voice growing soft and tender. Charlie was frozen, staring over Baker's shoulder as the thing rose to its feet. It had the pale, white body of a naked woman. Charlie's eyes had adjusted enough to barely make out the curve of breasts and thighs. It was so white, it nearly glowed like a ghost, but it had no face, not one that Charlie could see just floating eyes in an otherwise hovering shadow. 
It stepped softly on small bare feet toward the doorway. As it did, a few pieces of glass crumbled beneath its toes. Baker went erect at the sound and turned around. What the? Before he could draw up the knife, the naked figure sprung from the darkness, lunging at Baker with its hands like talons, tackling him like a tiger and pinning him to the crowded closet floor. Baker screamed, but the thing had him by the shoulders. Its head was enormous and covered in matted black hair. Charlie stared down in horror as it wrestled Baker to a wall before opening its jaws like a gorilla and biting through the old man's neck, ripping out his throat in long strands of gore. The floor pooled with blood. The creature howled. Baker was somehow still alive. His body convulsed and writhed. His arms swung like noodles, barely gripping the knife as he beat its butt end uselessly at the creature's side in weak thumps. Baker's eyes had turned to glass and his mouth hung open. He was dying. The thing had the smallest, most delicate hands, the hands of a beautiful woman. It pawed at Baker, reaching for the knife and grabbing him by the wrist. Then it twisted the arm and Baker's elbow broke off in splinters of bone. It cranked this and pulled the forearm free from the joint. Baker's amputated hand went rigid over the handle of the knife, its nerve endings no longer connected to a mind. The creature brought the arm to its mouth and ate at it some, sniffing it first before chewing it in large, snapping bites. Charlie couldn't look away, but the thing paid him no regard. It rose to its feet and pressed the sole of its bare foot over Baker's face. It held the arm with both hands, prying back the stiff fingers and freeing the knife. It dropped the arm and studied the blade in its hands, turning it in the light. Its brow flexed and moved, shifting into an expression of curiosity. Then it looked up at Charlie and smiled with big, sharp teeth. It lowered its gaze back to Baker's body, twitching beneath its foot. It crawled to its knees and drew the knife high above its head. Baker seemed to notice this. He made a choking sound and shook his head in fear. The creature swung the blade downward and started violently stabbing at Baker's gut, first just stabbing but then tearing and ripping. Baker's innards spilled out like a broken can of beans. His mouth tried to scream, but no sound came out. His eyes had gone mad, lost in the hysteria of an oncoming hell. The creature dropped the knife and began to play in the wound it made, pulling out lengths of intestines and handfuls of organs smearing them all over its small breasts and shoulders, painting itself in Baker's waist and fluids. Charlie had never smelled anything so earthy. There was shit. There was blood. As the creature continued to pull out more, it moved its hands up inside Baker's chest, reaching beneath his ribs as if he were a hollow log filled with honey. It pulled out a lung and rubbed it over its privates, the kind of privates Charlie hadn't seen in a long time. 
They were almost not there at all, just a smooth partition of flesh, no stronger than the petal of a rose. It rubbed the lung over itself a few times, then discarded it with a toss. It dug more at the open torso, pulling out a long strand of something white. It wrapped this around its neck like a scarf and continued to fish through his spilling remains. Charlie began to inch toward the doorway, sliding with his back along the wall but keeping his eyes locked on the thing's every movement. He stepped over his bucket and reached the door, leaping out into the basement. The creature didn't even turn its head to watch him go. Charlie glanced over his shoulder at his knife lying on the floor, but thought better than to save it. He reached the base of the stairs and turned back as the thing once again gave a strange and twisted howl. It sounded like a goose. It had gone back to smearing itself with blood. Its rear end was now perked and upright with its hands lifted in a sacrificial praise, holding up the entrails and letting them spill down its back. Charlie looked up the steps at the small bit of night sky shining through the entrance of the basement. He didn't look back, running up the stairs three at a time, holding his pounding chest and moaning as he reached the parking lot and stumbled over hoses and piled bags of trash. He staggered to his feet and fell between two parked cars, one red, one white. He sat on his ass, catching his breath and trying to think. But before he could, another low and scary sound came from the basement and he crawled to his feet and ran, arms wheeling, legs flying. He ran all the way to the end of the parking lot and down the drive to the edge of the highway. The moon was bright, the stars aglow. He tripped through the brush and gravel and spilled out onto the road, turning to look back. A pair of headlights popped up over the rise not five yards ahead. They were a blinding, angelic white that covered the sky and earth. Before Charlie had time to shield his face, the light swallowed him like the pull of an ocean, and he went weightless and devoid of feeling. His thoughts began to float, then one by one evaporate, until all that remained was his limbless mind, now somehow stronger, flying like a plane, sailing like a boat, and rising like a rocket ship, up toward the glow, the white, the beyond.